0: For the past few weeks, we've been looking at biblical foundations of discipleship, specific stories in Scripture that have exemplified God's design for growing closer to Him. We've been asking ourselves, does the Bible even talk about discipleship? Well, I think we, in the last three weeks, have come to a resounding yes. Yes, it does discipleship is real discipleship is not just a good idea But it's something that god has designed in order for a person to go from mere belief in jesus christ But growing in him and being transformed in him so that God's kingdom can be edified and so we're gonna take a little switch here in the series life like this What does life look like? When a life has been transformed, we're going to take a little switch from, does the Bible talk about it? Because yes, I think we've answered that question. Yes, it does. Then what does it look like? Does Christian discipleship look like something specific? We're going to take a look at that. For the next few weeks, as we continue in the series, we'll be looking at personal discipleship. Discipleship not just being an idea, but something that we can experience ourselves, something that we can take on ourselves, personal discipleship. Let's remember our working definition of uh, discipleship this morning. Read this with me. Christian discipleship is real relationship and continued growth in Jesus Christ while living out God's plan of serving others in holy love under the guidance of a more mature Christian. And I always tag with help from the Holy Spirit. Last week, we got together and we we looked at the scriptures and how God has called us over and over again to remember what he has done for you to remember what he's done for the church, to remember what he's done for you personally, maybe for your family. And we looked at the word remember, and not only does remember in the scriptures mean to recall a memory, but it means to recall a memory and then act upon it. It means this, that that when when we remember what God has done, that we take that remembering of sorts and we put it into action. God, doing work through your life and my life, For his kingdom's sake. And remember what I had said about life not being just about you and just about me. That God's work through us is for something else. That God can take our story and he can bless someone else in Jesus' name. Today, we're going to be looking at an important book in our scriptures. And I can honestly say that because all of them, if they're in the Bible, they're important. But this one specifically is going to help us understand personal discipleship. I think by the time that we're done, there's going to be no more guessing like, well, I wonder if I'm a disciple because someone very important uh, in the Christian church um, wrote a letter to a, a very specific city who was dealing with some of the same issues that you and I deal with. And he, I'll be honest with you, he lays it out pretty straight. We're going to be looking at Apostle Paul's letter written to the church in Colossae. And if you'll turn to the book of Colossians and just kind of keep your hand in there, I'd appreciate it. Um, The book of Colossians is in the New Testament. If you don't know where that's at, it's the second portion of your Bible. And I was telling somebody this morning, um, I always try to remember, okay, how do you get through that? It's after the Gospels. It's after the book of Acts. We're going into to Paul's letters, and I always look, I always can't remember that there's like four or five little ones in there in a row, and I always remember General Electric Power Company. So, General is Galatians, Electric is Ephesians, Power is Philippians. And we get to Colossians Company. General Electric Power Company. I told that to Pastor Kyle. He looked at me strangely. He says, I just remember where they're at. I said, Well, that works too. Everybody's minds work a little bit different, mine more different than others. But the Lord is good. The Apostle Paul wrote letters, lots of them, to different churches. This letter is very important in the life of a disciple. Let's talk about Paul. For just a second. Paul was not his given name. <clears throat> his mom and dad gave him the name Saul. He was born a, a good Jewish boy, little boy. And he was risen, rose up in the church. Uh, became a very powerful member of the Jewish ruling council. He was a, a Pharisee. Paul was very learned. Paul was very smart. Paul was very powerful. I'm sorry, Saul was. I get those a little mixed up. That's okay. Saul was very powerful. Saul was the kind of person you wouldn't like. Saul was so powerful <clears throat> that, um, that he was put in charge of rounding up Christians and either putting them in prison or putting them to death. And you know what I think? I think Saul really, really liked his job. We read the story in the book of Acts where Stephen, who was a member of um, what the apostles were doing, he he was actually more like a steward. He was helping to um, distribute foods amongst the widows and the orphans. Uh, He was arrested and he stood before the council and he gave a beautiful sermon. And he basically said, no, I will not stop talking about Jesus Christ. This little sermonette that Stephen gave, made the Jewish council so angry that they literally gnashed their teeth at him. Have you ever been so mad at somebody you just went, I haven't, but that's what they did. That they were so incensed at Stephen and what he had to say, that they picked up rocks and they threw them at him until he was dead. Stephen became the first Christian martyr. Saul of Tarsus was the guy that was in charge of that. He actually, the scripture says, he was the one that held the, clo- the coats for the people who threw the rocks. Well, here, let me, let me hold your coat, Aaron, while you throw rocks at that person. And the scripture says, he took great delight in it. He watched, he watched this man, Stephen, die. A horrible death and he took delight in it so much so that he uh, he took his cause down the road he was on his road on the road to Damascus he was he was he was going there to persecute more Christians and something miraculous happened something wonderful happened he encounters Jesus Christ and Jesus literally knocks him off his horse and blinds him and he says Saul why do you persecute me what are you doing? And in that moment, and in the next few days, Saul has a transformation unlike the world has ever seen. He goes from Christian hater to Christian. Tremendous story. If you've never read the story of, of, of Saul of Tarsus becoming Paul, you need to go and read it. His conversion story is just out of this world. He becomes the Apostle Paul. And he goes on to lead the church. The church that he hated, he now loves, goes on to lead that church. He writes 13 books in our New Testament. And in AD 60, while he was enduring house arrest, while he was under Roman um, guard, he, he had been arrested for his faith. Paul, as he's sitting there, hears about this little church in Asia Minor. The church in Colossae, or Colossae, however you say that, he hears about this church he's never been to. Some things are happening there that shouldn't be happening. Somebody's been teaching some falsehood that they shouldn't be teaching. The people of the church are engaging in acts they shouldn't be engaging in. And so Paul, he can't go there and tell them himself, but what does he do? He takes time. And he writes them a letter, a very important letter. Now, Paul didn't start this church. He doesn't know these people. This church was started by people that Paul had led to the Lord. And then his legacy, his, his spiritual legacy of sorts kind of goes on. And it's amazing. If you allow your life to be run by Jesus Christ, how that happens. You touch people's lives and then they go touch people's lives. And questions are being asked. How shall a Christian act? What does being a disciple in Jesus Christ actually look like? Does it even look like anything at all? Is it something you can physically see in somebody or is it just all, all inside? That my belief in Jesus and my life for Christ just happens in here, but really you can't tell that anything's going on. Paul answers this question very Clearly please turn to Colossians chapter 3. And I would ask you to please stand in the honor of reading God's word this morning. I'm going to be reading from the New International Version, the newest version. What you'll see on the screen is from the 1984 version. There's a couple differences, but the meaning is still the same. Hear the word of the Lord. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone else. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly and as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and spiritual songs from sorry, hymns and songs from the Spirit singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether it In word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. And I want to say, congratulations, my fellow disciples. You are dead. The scripture starts off with uh, statements that, that can rattle and confuse even the most sophisticated mind. But take heart. The word has been given not to condemn, but to bring freedom. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated on the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you will also appear. Believer, do you realize what happened when you said yes to Jesus Christ? Do you know? When you said yes to Jesus Christ, you died. You died. When the preacher gave the call, or in VBS, when your teacher said, do you want to ask Jesus into your heart, or at Sunday school or uh, Billy Graham's radio program, or Moody Bible, or Mama Moses, or, or, or Grandma Edith, or whatever, whatever way that Jesus Christ stood before you and said, Here I am. Do you realize when you said yes to Jesus, you died to yourself? So that by dying to yourself, you then can live with Christ. I am... Used to follow and and still do in in some regard um, a theologian of sorts by the name Mike Iaconelli. Todd, you'll laugh when I call him a theologian. Mike Iaconelli was this uh, grizzled guy. He was this guy who would say things and you'd be like, You can't say that. And he'd be like, I just did. He was the kind of guy that just, you know, he really loved you, but he didn't care if you liked him. And so he would tell you things very truthfully. This is the way it is. Mike was a prolific writer. And uh, he was a youth teacher and preacher. He owned the largest uh, youth ministries resource company in the world. And, uh, and he was a life well lived. But Mike Iaconelli said this. In a moment of weakness, I said yes to Jesus and my life was completely ruined. And it's been a glorious ruining and I've been having a blast the whole time. And what he meant was this. When he said yes to Jesus Christ, his self died. He died, which means that he took away, he took aside all his own desires, all his own wants, this plan that he laid out for himself, this beautiful, look what I've done. He had to literally take that and put it on the shelf and then said this. Okay, God said, yes. What's the plan? What do you have for me now? And can I be honest with you? I like to have my own way. I like to do what I want when I want to do it. And if it's going to be right, it's going to be my way. And so, can I just tell you, my human nature is, I want things my way. And you're probably a lot like me. But when I said yes to Jesus, guess what? I don't get my own way anymore. Oh, I sometimes get my way. But it has to be what God wants for me. I'm dead to myself so that I can be alive in Christ. I love what it says. And our life, as it says in verse 3, is now hidden with Christ in God. Have you ever noticed that before? We read these things over and over and over again. We read, you've probably read the book of Colossians a billion times. Have you ever noticed that verse in verse 3? It says, um, now that we're dead, we've been hidden with Christ in God. Do you know what that means? If you've been hidden with Christ in God, it's almost like it's saying there's oneness with God. That it's no longer Mike and Jesus, but no, I accepted his life. Oneness. And it makes, you know what, inside it makes me go, oh, how big God is, and oh, how small am I. And Paul's telling us this because we are a new creation. He points to even our thoughts need to be pointed upward. Even our thoughts. I mean, okay, so I don't do all the bad things that I used to do. I don't run around, I don't drink, smoke, and chew, and run with girls that do anymore, but... but But he doesn't just want that. He wants your very thoughts. He goes on to say, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, idolatry. The list goes on and on. You know what I love about Paul is? He just kind of hits something for everybody. Hey, in regard to sin, there's just something here for anybody. I'm going to make the list so long. I'm going to lay it out so plain that if you're thinking, well, um, he didn't say this necessarily. Mm -mm, He's not leaving anything for the mind. He's laying it out. Even the word sexual immorality here, I'm pretty certain that he used the word porneia, which basically is this generic word. Anything sexual that is outside of what God had designed is sexual immorality. I watch TV all the time and, and not all the time, but I watch TV and, and, and I'll, I see stuff all the time that says stuff like, well, you know, I think, you know, God doesn't necessarily mean this and that. I heard a, a Christian theologian, I, I watched a great 40 minute Uh, video on two christian theologians talking about what they you know think that god might have said god already said it he said it to the apostle paul the 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 word here is pornea and it's just this generic if it's outside of the will of god then there you go it's plain but he doesn't stop there it's lying stealing love of money and greed stealing is interesting even if i borrow the the neighbor's rake without asking is that does god want that part of me too Idolatry, anger. Are you angry? Not righteously angry, but does your anger, does it guide who you are and how you treat your wife, your husband, your children, your mom and dad? Malice, slander. That's a big one. Todd, I don't know if you've heard about April, but let me tell you, we need to pray for her. That used to be my thing. I was, I, you know, I, I loved gossip. Oh, give me a big juicy story, but then we'd be like, oh, but we'll pray for them. And then we wouldn't pray for them. you think God honors that? Do you think God likes it? You can lighten up. It's okay, because we've all done it. Oh, did you hear about so-and-so? Ooh, I read about him in the paper again. We should probably pray for them. But we don't. Foul language. Hmm. Not even one dirty little joke. Not even one little swear word, Lord. Why does he add that? Why is he, why, is he, why is he saying this? Why does he lay it all out? Make us uncomfortable. Because Paul says that when we said yes to Jesus and we died, that we literally took off our old self. Like a garment. We set it aside. We took it off. We don't do that. And I love this next verse. Here, there is no Gentile or Greek, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. I don't know what a Scythian is, but it's an interesting thing. Slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Do you know what that means? Do you realize what Paul is saying? Paul is saying something very shocking. The Jewish people believed God was theirs. He was God did not belong to the Gentiles. God did not belong to the Moabites. God was the God of Israel. Paul's saying, God is the God of all. He is in all. Anyone can come to Him. Anyone can come to the foot of the cross. Anyone can come to Jesus. Anyone. And everyone is welcome. And I say hallelujah, and so should you be. Hallelujah, because you know what? Some of you know who I used to be. Hallelujah, I was able to come. I don't know as much about you, but I can pretty much guess, hallelujah, that you were included too. Anyone can come to the the table of Jesus Christ. Anyone can come and sit. And everyone. Hallelujah. Favorite band, a little side note, is a band called Seventh Day Slumber. And if you were to listen to this band, probably the majority of you would wish you hadn't. They're just this hard rock Christian band. Their music is loud, piercings and tattoos and craziness, and I love it. And I'm like in the front row, Woo-hoo! I love it. Well, the lead singer, his name is Joseph Rojas, and Joseph has this tremendous story of transformation. We all have a story, and Joseph is is just this tremendous man of God. He's a lot like Mike in that he'll just tell you what he's thinking, and. He was telling his story one time, and I I took a youth group to the concert. I mean, this is for the kids, right? This isn't for me. This is for the kids. I'm bringing the kids in. He tells the story about how he used to have a $300 a day cocaine addiction and how he was dying, that he literally died in an ambulance one day, and God brought him back to life because he had a purpose for him. His mom had been praying for him for years and how God got a hold of him in an ambulance. Thank God that he did. His life was transformed he signed up and he went to uh, it was awesome He signed up and he went to uh, a Christian school and uh, Christian college and he's in Christian college and they're all just hanging out and he's just talking like he always talks. Filthy, foul, filth and foul. I mean, he's dropping F-bombs. And every, I mean, all these, can you imagine Christian college, Bible college, and all these Christian kids are looking at him like, Oh, my word, you're the guy my mom told me not to hang out with. And he says that he's just looking around. He's like, What? And they had to say, Hey, you know, you took off. When you, when you died to, to yourself, you literally took off that stuff, and you set it aside, and he said, Well, I never knew. Why? Because he didn't read the Bible. He didn't know. And that's what I love about Jesus Christ is that you you don't even know what happened to you, and yet God's doing a good work in you, and He's going to continue. God changed my heart in that concert. There was a sin that I was dealing with I didn't even know I had. And He spoke. God the Holy Spirit spoke through Joseph Rojas. My heart was changed, and I was blown away because I thought I was here for these kids. Isn't that awesome the way God does that? There's a word in verse 12 that I love, and it's therefore. Ah. Thank you, Jesus, for therefore. Because Paul's been pretty rough. I mean, I don't think he's being mean. I think he's just being honest. He's told us, when, you, when you're in Christ, this stuff's got to it's, it's go away. It just, it just has to. But then he gets to therefore. What I love about Paul is, is that he lays it out so plain and so straight, but he finishes the story. It's not just, you're going to go to hell if you don't stop doing blah, 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 blah. But he says, this, this is the stuff you got to trade in for this. So let's read it. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved do you do you feel holy this morning you are if you are in Christ wrestle with that one holy and dearly loved he says this clothe yourselves with uh, compassion kindness humility gentleness and patience bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone Forgive as the Lord forgave you. I don't do a lot of the things that I... Well, a lot of the things I I used to do before I was a Christian. I, 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 I took those off. I set them aside. Some of it's just growing up. God sees everything, though. Forgiveness, you can't see... Only God can see. He adds it here to this long list. I mean, I love it that the list is as long as the stuff that you're not supposed to do. He's saying saying you you get to trade this stuff in for this. This is good stuff. One of them is forgiveness. That's a hard thing. When you've been hurt and wronged and abused by somebody who doesn't love God, or maybe does. But I want to say this, that I'm thankful for Paul that he at least puts a boundary on it. He at least says, I tell you what, you need to forgive, but you don't have to forgive any more than God forgave you. And so just go to that point. Just go to the point of as much as God forgave you, then you forgive others. Thanks, God. Thanks, Paul. But we read this list. This list is so much different than the other list. I'll be honest. When I'm reading it out loud in church, saying things like sexual immorality and lying and malice, slander, I don't get this fuzzy like, yay, man, these are just wonderful words. I just love to hear the word of God. It's just awesome. In fact, I read that, and maybe you're feeling the same way. It's like, wow, that's kind of heavy. That's kind of, that's kind of deep. But, but when I read these things, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, lifting each other up, forgiveness, and then this part I love, put on love. Doesn't it make you feel peace? Have you ever read that stuff and you're like, you felt peaceful? You felt good? Do you ever wonder why? I think this because the things of Christ are peace and rest and love. So why wouldn't I trade that in? Paul leaves us with a few commands, and these aren't suggestions, these are commands. These aren't things like Paul says, hey, and if you get around to it, this is very much a command. He says in 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. I, I lo- had to look at that because I'm like, what does that mean? Let it rule in your heart. Is that like a dictator with a sword? Rule in your heart. Oh, let the peace rule. I mean, because isn't that kind of peace and then rule? Isn't that kind of contradict one another? As I looked at that. I found that it doesn't mean like as in a dictatorship. Brabuo means like an umpire or a decider. And especially you guys who like baseball, you think about what does the umpire do? Does the umpire run around and rule? No. He decides what is right and wrong. He decides if the ball is in or if it's not. And so the word of God, Paul is saying here, let the peace of Christ be your decider. Let the peace of Christ be your decider. This person is being mean to me. How should I act? Let the peace of Christ decide how you act. You know, my spouse is really getting on my nerves. I wonder, because like I was with April yesterday, she's like, "Yeah, um, how should I act?" April, you should always let the let the peace of Christ be your decider on that. <laughs> These are hard things to preach. I I was talking to a friend the other day. I said, you know, I'm I'm preaching this stuff, but I'll be honest, I'm struggling with some of it too. He goes, what? I said, what what do you do with that? He says, I'm going to do what John Wesley said to do. I'm going to keep preaching it until I'm experiencing it. I'm going to keep preaching this until I experience it. Wow, that's transparent, huh? And then he said something else. I forgot. I remembered that part. He says this: Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, as you touch, uh, sorry, as you teach and admonish one another with wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs in the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. And whatever you do, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. That means this that this life that's been transformed disciple you've taken off the old you've put on the new wherever you are whatever decision that you're making you are doing it as an you're doing it in Christ you're doing it in Christ the peace of Christ is your decider you see where we're going with this you don't have to be the one that makes the decisions anymore you don't have to be the one that's that's man just Oppressed and depressed and I mean you can literally cling on to the power of the universe Jesus Christ who was risen from the dead that same Holy Spirit lives inside you. We claim that in the name of Jesus It helps us to live in that But do it all in the name of Jesus personal discipleship means intentionally living for Christ Before we were in Christ, our lives looked like this. I want to thank Janine for sharing last week. Very transparent. Before Christ, my life, you shouldn't be embarrassed, by the way, because before Christ, we were all crazy. We were all like just fooling around out in the streets and having fun. And Jesus said, Mike, Colleen, you cracked me up. Get over here. Get over here, you knucklehead. I'm going to teach you the ways you should go. But put in that, I put in you what I want to use through you. I like to laugh. That foul language thing, man, it's hard for me because I'm, I'm a, a jokester. You met my family, you'd think we were all nuts. We'd laugh about all sorts of things. The devil wants to claim that for himself. And so sometimes somebody will say something that's just foul, and I think it's funny. But the Jesus in me goes, it's not who you are anymore. But we still have good laughs, and that's okay. This week, I want to challenge each of us to be thinking about this. Okay, i got to take that off. That's not mine anymore. I'm going to put this on. Just trade it in. Because I want the peace of Christ to be my decider. You know what? Maybe it's a sin that you've been just wrestling with. A sin man just keeps coming back around. I thought I beat it. it. keeps coming back around. I don't know what it is. I don't know what your things are. I don't know what my things, the things I struggle with are. And I know it can get discouraging when you're like, man, I thought i beat that. I thought, I, I, thought I, I thought through Christ I conquered that. Today's a new day. Just take it off. Set it aside. Put on the things of Christ. You know, I was reminded yesterday, I need to be more kind. Sometimes, as a dad, I get busy. I'm not very nice. Like, blah, blah, blah. Just go do whatever. I was reminded need to put those things on kindness is a good thing some of you are like laughing like yeah you do gentleness i want to be gentle do you think jesus was gentle do you think jesus was kind i do i want to be more like jesus do it by the power of the holy spirit grow and then go i want to close this time just a little bit different than what we've been doing Um, Andrew's going to play some music. And I want us to, to spend a couple moments just in quiet prayer.